the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's hump day, middle of the week day, over the hill day, closer to Friday than we were on Monday. That's a good thing. It's going to be a nice day today. Going to be about 82, 83 degrees. Maybe some light, white, fluffy clouds are going to move across the sky. But uh, it's going to be a nice day. Going to be really nice tomorrow, too. A little bit more humid today. But uh, I got to tell you, it's going to be a nice fall day. Ken Yang is here. Chairman of the Sling County GOP, also the chairman of the chairs of the uh, Arkansas GOP. He's in the studio with me, and we're joined by our guest from over at Harding University. They've been joining us now for a year on uh, Wednesdays. Heather uh, Kemper's with us, director of alumni and parent relations at Harding University. How you doing, Heather? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. You're doing good. I mean, seriously, let's be honest here. You're up at 6 o'clock in the morning talking to me. Uh, That's true. <laughs> <laughs> are all the all the cobwebs out of your mind right now? Uh, not yet. I did wake up several times last night because I was afraid I wouldn't be awake in time. So, there you go. I'm here. I'm ready. I, I do that all the time. I, I mean, not being late for the show anymore because i've been doing it and getting up now for over three years with it but when i first started i could not sleep at night i would wake up at like two o'clock in the morning and then trying to go back to sleep is like might as well not even do it you know what i'm saying totally totally all right well let's talk about what you do uh what does it mean to be director of uh, alumni and, and parent relations? What what is what are your directives from Harding University? Sure, uh, I would say my main role is connection. So uh, we try to accomplish that through providing signature events on campus, like family weekend and homecoming. Um, we maintain. Uh, a database. We communicate about events and just try to do things to increase loyalty of our alumni, parents, and friends of Harding. Um, we work closely with lots of departments on campus, and um, no day is ever the same in my department. I do say that. So it's never boring. So why is alumni connection so important to all universities? I mean, all universities try to keep in touch with their uh, alumni. I mean, my former university, Moorhead State University in Kentucky, I get something from them every month. Sure, sure. Well, alumni definitely really are our greatest asset. I mean, their personal experience um, can promote 
parting in a way, a really genuine and authentic way that, you know, no salesman could or no recruiter could. Um, so alumni are really our best recruiting tool. Um, same for parents whose students have a great experience at our university. Um, you know, they they really understand the ins and outs of who we are, what our mission is, and, and can really um, help, help promote kind of the continued mission that we have at Harding. Um, and so, of course, obviously, we're never upset if they want to um, give back, but that could be financially, that could be through recruiting students, praying for our mission, all of that. Is, is really important. Well, I know that last year with COVID, it threw a, a wrench into alumni opportunities and events for most universities across America. I missed one of the, the things that I like to do the most, and that's go back to Moorhead State uh, on homecoming and uh, get with my old fraternity brothers and see them because I hadn't seen them then in a year and see how they're doing and whatnot. Didn't have that last year. How did that affect you all? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We did not meet in person last year either. We moved everything virtual, and that was an opportunity to try some new things, and actually a few things that we did are going to stick for this year. Um, but we are going to be able to meet in person this year. So we're really looking forward to that. Well, I'm really, I was looking and reading some information about this, uh, 1971, uh, class reunion that's going to go on at, uh, Harding this year. That's when I graduated from high school and okay. I just freaked me out when I looked and it said 50 <laughs> years, 50 True. years. You know what you did? You 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 confirmed in my mind that I'm an old fart now. <laughs> uh, it's actually one of my favorite events of the whole homecoming weekend. It's awesome to see all these classmates from 50 years ago come back together. Um, at that time, our classes were about 300 people, so everyone really knew each other. It's a really sweet celebration to reminisce and, and come back together. Do, do a lot of the newer students and their parents, do they come in for the alumni event? That way it gives them an opportunity to mix with the people who've already gone to Harding? Yeah, absolutely. So it, it'll be a huge visit weekend for us, um, current students, even prospective students, just because we have so much going on this weekend. And um, it, it's a great time to visit Harding. Well, talk a little bit about this, uh, the black and gold bank- banquet, and do you really get all the alumni to walk in the parade and everything? Um, the black and gold banquet, we do honor um, nine special alumni, one from each college, each discipline at Harding, and then one outstanding alum and a an, uh, young alum. Um, so we'll see probably about 600 people that attend that event, so wow. that's really big. Um, and then... For the parade, actually, last year was the first year it came back. Of course, we didn't meet in person, so we live-streamed this. It was just a student uh, event last year because of the nature of COVID. And um, But, yeah, this year we expect even bigger participation. participation. So we have over 50 groups that will be represented in the parade. Um, we do have some alumni that will participate, and then we just expect our streets to be flooded with uh, everybody that's there. Well, you got uh, 
100 events that are planned for this weekend. I mean, that's incredible. You must have not gotten much sleep the last few months. Well, I mean, I was waking up because I was afraid I'd miss 6 o'clock, but I was also waking up thinking of all the things that still needed to be done before tomorrow. So uh, there's a lot going on for sure. Um, I I think as I compared to some other universities, maybe more than uh, some other universities. So, yeah, we're ready for reunions, football game, tailgating, homecoming musical, all kinds of stuff. Are you gonna Are you gonna go through uh, all the people that are there tailgating and judge the food? Oh, that would be fun. No, that's not really how we've done it in the past. <laughs> I'm always <laughs> thinking you, about eating. <laughs> I yeah. I could have done that. I'm just telling you. Okay. When, okay. when you're a broadcaster, you eat when you get the opportunity. Sure. Sure. Well, we'll we'll consider that. All right. Uh, most. Yeah. Go ahead. No, that's all right. I'll let you finish up. Any new events that you're doing that you haven't done in the past that you're excited about? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Well, the parade that I mentioned coming back after almost 40 years, and this year our theme is the 70s. And so that'll be fun to see how the student body interprets that, uh, since, of course, they weren't alive then. Um, And then our tailgating really has substantially grown over the last few years. And this time... Uh, for the first time, we're going to have food trucks on campus. So we have ah, nine local cool. food trucks that we're excited to support small business in our community. And then we would have one alumni uh, from the West Memphis area that will be there with their food truck. So that's we're expecting big things from that. Um, we also have uh, a dedication happening uh, during homecoming weekend. Our administration building um, is being named for our first two African-American undergraduate students. So there's a lot of activity going on with that this weekend and a gala to be held in their honor also. Yeah, that sounds very cool. Sounds like it's going to be a whole lot of fun. We're talking with Heather uh, uh, Kemper. She is the Director of Alumni and Parent Relations. Uh, Heather, I got to get a break in. We'll come back after the break and talk a little bit more. And how do people get involved in this? Are there any tickets that they might have to buy? Things of that nature. Give give them the last moment uh, information that they need to have a great weekend. Because it looks like whenever you're planning something like this, and I know you've been doing this, one eye on what you're going to do, one eye on the st- on the sky. The weather looks like it's going to be perfect for you. I hope so. Well, it looks good. Let's take a break. We'll come back with more. We're talking to Heather. We'll continue and finish up our conversations uh, with her when we come back. And then at 635, don't forget, we got State Senator Jason Raper joining me here on the Dave Ellswick Show. And you won't want to miss what he has to say. Don't forget uh, that uh, the folks over at David Lucas Financial know that you're concerned about uh, out-of-control government spending, who isn't, uh, soaring inflation, political unrest, and the rapid decline of the U.S. uh, dollar. And millions of Americans now are investing in silver and gold to protect their nest eggs. Don't let the 1970s-style inflation destroy your retirement. Learn how silver and gold can help you protect those assets like a IRA, a 401k, and all of that hard-earned savings that you have by calling 501-222-3315. Uh, the folks at David Lucas Financial work 
with one of the only regulated and licensed national wholesalers in the country. So you get direct prices from a dealer that you can trust. To learn more uh, about buying silver and gold, and there's a lot to know, but be honest with you, call 501-222-3315. That's 501-222-3315. Investments advisory services are offered through David Lucas Financial. Uh, They are an Arkansas registered investment advisor. 621, don't forget, 635, State Senator Jason Rapert will be by phone talking with me, and those are always interesting discussions. I never know exactly what's going to pop up when I talk to Jason. I know some of the things we'll talk about. We'll talk about, you know, the last meetings that they've had uh, and the, you know, doing all the maps for redistricting and things of that nature. Talk about his new... uh, a group of, of pastors that he uh, he works with. We'll talk about a lot of different things, but uh, we're looking forward to it. Jason's a friend of mine, and uh, I've supported him whenever he's run for office, so we will have him on the show today to talk. Cause, you know, he's running for lieutenant governor, so I'm sure that might come up as, as well. But right now we're talking to Heather Kemper. She is the director of alumni and parent relations at harding university uh if you want more information on this you can go on the internet harding.edu forward slash homecoming and you'll find everything there on your computer screen if you want to do it that way or you can you know write really fast while i'm talking to uh, to heather here on the show here because we're gonna we got about another eight minutes that we're going to talk so how will the alumni engage uh with uh you know the these these events and and with new students and uh, the parents because i i gotta believe the students would have you know questions but i gotta believe that the parents going to have more questions than the students do sure absolutely well a lot of the events of the weekend are geared to engage with our alumni um, so of course they're going to come back to campus meet up with friends roommates in fact my roommate from Harding of three years is coming back from Kansas City and bringing her teenage daughter to visit. Oh, cool. Uh, so I do expect to be answering those parent questions to her now. Um, and of course, we have um, part of Harding's heritage is daily chapel. And so we do have a special alumni chapel on Saturday this weekend where alumni can come back and um, kind of engage in those old traditions. Um, alumni chorus, band performances. Um, our version of Greek life at Harding are called social clubs. And so a lot of social clubs will host their alumni at special reunions or tailgates. Uh, I know one of our um, social clubs is celebrating a 60th anniversary. Wow. Um, Harding is getting close to 100 years. So we'll be celebrating that in the 23, 24 school year. So um, we have things that are um, have been around a long time. Um, but, you know, everything about the weekend is to create um, engagement and connection at Harding. And um, we just hope that we accomplish that. All right. Well, I want to talk about one uh, last big thing that you're doing. And a lot of people might not be, uh, you know, know about this. And that is you all are going to do a big theatrical production of Elf, the musical. Yes, we are so excited. 
I personally love Elf. I know that might be divisive. Some people don't, but I like um, it. It's fun. By the way, yeah. did, did you find somebody who can belch for thirty seconds? <laughs> I have not seen any previews yet, <laughs> so I'm not sure. But I will say, uh, the guy that is cast as Elf has the naturally curly hair. I mean, you know, it's a pretty good uh, doppelganger, maybe of uh, of Will Ferrell. Of course, the musical is a little bit different than the movie, but obviously the same, uh, the same uh, storyline. Uh-huh. Um, so we're we're super excited. It's definitely open to the public. We would love anybody to come uh, visit Harding and see this um, production. I know our cast and crew has been working extremely hard um, getting ready for this, and so we know it'll be a fun night. And why not go ahead and start the Christmas spirit, get in the holiday spirit. Uh, and see this uh, musical production. Well, everybody's getting in the Christmas spirit early this year because of the supply chain mess-ups that are going on. People are buying now, so uh, this would be a a great uh, musical to see. Uh, Do people need to buy tickets to go see this, or is it a a freebie, or how does it all work? No, tickets, um, all tickets for ELF and really any event this weekend um, are at hardingtickets.com. And so there are two performances, Friday and Saturday night, both at 8 p.m. And tickets are 18 or $20, depending on where you sit in the auditorium. And we do have tickets remaining. So we would love to um, have people from Central Arkansas come join us. Yeah, so get up there and watch this. We need a sellout on both nights, you know. That'd be awesome. You know, take care. Get Make Heather's weekend even better it sounds like she's got a a great uh, weekend planned for you up on harding university campus and if you've never been to harding it's a very pretty campus it really is it's a nice place i i don't know you know all the connections that i've got my my brother-in-law graduated from harding my daughter graduated from harding both my nieces both my nieces graduated from harding and so, uh, yeah, we there's there's a, a long group of us uh, okay, in the Ellswick awesome. clan. So, yeah, we I have nothing but good things to say about Harding University, as well as I think with these new graduate programs that we've been talking to your uh, folks about, and they've been unveiling. I think Harding is on the cusp of setting itself as the East Coast here in the in the in the Southwest here in in our in uh in in arkansas because i do think you know you guys uh, are, are pushing people like you know columbia and other great universities sure. here in the middle of the the united states and a lot cheaper too by the way yes well thank you that's a great compliment <laughs> yeah you guys are doing a great job so uh after this is over how many weeks off do they give you so you can recover I know. It doesn't really work that way. I have two work trips next week, so I'll be going oh, to Dallas wow. and Nashville to see alumni. Wow. Uh, but no, I'll, I'll have, I will probably take a day to uh, try to recover. <laughs> what's, the, what's the first question that alumni ask uh, when they sit and they talk to you about Harding University? What are some of the things that stick out in their mind that they want to make sure that at Harding they're still doing them? Sure. I think chapel, Bible class, um, social clubs, and, you know, really the thing I think that always comes up with alumni is really just relationships that we have at Harding. Um, They want to know about a certain professor. 
uh, maybe someone in their department. Um, I think we do a really good job of connecting outside of the classroom and at a really personal level at Harding. So most of the time I would say a first question is probably about a person on campus. Is so-and-so still here or how can I get in touch with them? So uh, I think that makes it a, a unique environment in higher education. All right, fantastic. Heather, I appreciate you getting up early. I bet this is not your typical getting up time. I appreciate I'm just now getting up usually. So All right, thank so you. <laughs> you, lo- you lost a half hour, 45 minutes of sleep today. That's significant. Thanks for coming on, and sounds like you got a great weekend planned so people can go, and if they didn't write everything down, they go to harding.edu forward slash homecoming, and it's all right there for them. Absolutely. My all pleasure. Right. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Heather. We appreciate you. That's uh, Heather Kemper. She's the director of the Alumni and Parent Relations at Harding University. Homecoming weekend this weekend. Have a great time. Sounds like they got a lot of great things planned. Don't forget that we got uh, State Senator Jason Rapert. He's coming up after this break coming up. We got some news for you. We'll catch up with all of that and some traffic. And then we'll be back on the Dave Ellswick Show. Hey, don't forget about PI Roofing, your roof leak detectives. If you've got a leak, they'll find it. They'll repair it for you. If you need a new roof, they'll tear off the old roof and get a new roof on, and you probably won't have to replace your roof for the rest of the time that you own your your home because most of the materials now that PI Roofing uses are lifetime warranty. So keep that in mind as well. Uh, know that they know what they're doing and they make sure that the people they get up on your house know what they're doing i was talking yesterday about this pi roofing has a large uh, warehouse where they they keep their shingles and everything they got they've got a roof of a house built in there and if you come and you want to get get on and work with uh, pi roofing and right now they're looking for quality uh, roofers as far as that's concerned uh, they put you on that roof and they ask you to do some different things like, you know, put on, uh, you know, shingles or put on edging and things of that nature. They watch what you do. They uh, keep an eye on how you do what you do. And then they'll make up their mind if you got what it takes to be a professional at PI Roofing. They don't just let anybody get up on your roof because they know that your roof is your last defense against all of the elements outside your house. So PI Roofing, 707-3551 is their local number. 707-3551 or piroofing.com. Gentleman that I always enjoy having on my show, He's uh, he always comes on. I've, I've supported him every time he's run for office, and that's uh, State Senator Jason Rapert, and he joins us today on the Dave Ellswick Show. Jason, somebody already texted us and asked of you. The caller wants to know, where specifically can Arkansans see the new redistricting lines? Is there a website with a map that folks can go to just so folks can start planning for school board elections and districts and so forth? Well, thanks for having me on, Dave. Oh. And I do appreciate I do appreciate all your support over the years, and um, 
just appreciate the fact that you have been a standard for the conservatism in our state over the airways for many, many years. But on that question, Dave, uh, I would actually tell you I do not think all of those lines are finished just quite yet. Uh, You know, we still don't have the legislative district lines because we're waiting on the apportionment board, which is made up of the governor, the attorney general, and the secretary of state. So they still have yet to do their districts, which I believe uh, has to come before some of the other districts even finish everything that they've got. So I would tell tell that person if they want to email me at jason at jasonrapert.com, we will get we'll get an answer to point them in the right direction because the the legislature uh, I just chaired the state agencies committee which we do the congressional district line so those are finished and so we have those completed but those other uh, factors that have to be completed by some of the other officials in the state have not yet been finalized Dave all right well there's your answer you heard it right here on the Dave Ellswick show so you know you know. They don't know exactly right yet. So, so yeah. is 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 it the governor who has to make the big decision on all of that? I mean, he's the one who's got well, to sign a, off on it. The apportionment part of this, the apportionment board does the state legislative districts, and so they will be. Uh, in fact, there, it was just mentioned yesterday when the governor was announcing that he was delaying the special session. It's upcoming on tax cuts and for us to take up the heartbeat bill, meaning the legislators that want to pursue that. Uh, he announced that there would be a meeting coming up, I believe, maybe as early as next week, possibly on the apportionment commission. So they'll be doing their work. The legislators duty is the congressional districts, and we've got that done. All right. So what about the heartbeat bill? How's it looking? Is it going to get brought up? Well, we definitely have, I think you can tell by the messaging coming from the governor's office, there's definitely support in the legislature to take up the heartbeat bill. In fact, uh, you know, Dave, you know this. I've been out here since 2010. I was elected as part of that wave when we began to, to step up to try to take over the majority in our state. I've been on the front lines fighting for GOP ideals and for conservative policy since 2011 when I was first um, and you know elected and, and started serving in the Arkansas Senate. And so the heartbeat bill, I ran the very first year. If you, I don't know if you remember that, Dave. I ran it in 2011 when we were still in the minority, and the Democrats shut it down, obviously. But in 2012, when I was reelected and we took over the majority in the state for the first time in 138 years, I ran the heartbeat bill again in 2013. I was able to get it passed through the legislature, and then a Democrat governor, Mike Beebe, vetoed that, and then we overrode that veto. So I had to fight through again, and I've been out here fighting for these policies a long time. And we won that. In fact, Ken Yang is there with you with Family Council. They fought with me all the way. We won that. And then a federal judge knocked that down. They took away the ban. Now, the informed consent still is in play here in Arkansas. It's been helping save babies, meaning they must do an ultrasound. They must tell a woman of the presence of a heartbeat in her womb. And so we fought through and got that. But just And it was the first, by the way, we were the first state in the entire nation to get a heartbeat bill. And over the years then, we've slowly gotten other states that's now jumped on board. And Texas is the 14th state in the nation. 
And my friend down there, Senator Brian Hughes, is the man that led that bill in the Texas Senate. And they included the secret, I would call it a secret sauce, if you will, (laughs) a special provision that says, rather than the government or the state enforcing the ban, they empowered individual citizens to sue anyone that violates the Texas heartbeat bill. It's called a civil cause of action. That has completely upended the entire fight for life in the country because the federal courts and other courts are having trouble because they can't knock it down because it took it away from government enforcement. And so they have saved literally over 3,000 babies over the past month in Texas because they can't stop that particular bill. And I've talked with Asa Hutchinson and I said, Governor, you know, this is a new strategy that will save babies right now. And this is why we need to take it up. And, you know, I've been fighting this heartbeat bill since 2011, getting it passed. And Arkansas is the most pro-life state in the nation right now. That's what they say, Dave. But how do you feel? Let me just ask you that. How do you feel about that, Jason? I mean, that wasn't the case when you were elected. You and uh, Arkansas Right to Life and the Family Council and others have won some major battles along the way, and now we're number one in the United States. You, you bet. And you don't win it alone, and you're right. Rose Mims, Jerry Cox, and the Arkansas Right to Life Family Council organizations, they have been down there fighting for decades for this policy. Elections matter. And what I feel about this is that the state of Arkansas has elected more conservative legislators to the state legislature, and we now have been able to pass a multitude. We have the safe haven baby box law that is here. I've supported that. We even passed the trigger bill, uh, Dave, in 19. I led that legislation. says as soon as there's a decision, which could come in the next year, that might overturn Roe v. Wade, immediately we ban all abortion in our state. And then we came back this year and passed SB6 and said, you know what, we're going to flip the trigger. So we passed SB6. And of course, what's happened to federal judge? And here's the thing, Dave, we have to find a strategy to stop allowing one individual federal court judge to just strike down our laws. There is a 10th amendment here in the United States And it says that all powers that weren't delegated to a federal government belong to the states and to the people. And we should be able to protect life in Arkansas if we choose to do so. And as state senator, been elected four times, and as hopefully lieutenant governor in the future, I'm going to continue fighting for the values and the interests of the Arkansas people, no matter what the crazies do in Washington, D.C., I've always done that, and I'm going to continue to do that. Well, I got one last question about uh, the abortion issue, and then we'll move on because we got other things to talk about as well. But hasn't it been amazing to you? I mean, it used to be it used to be you know we just want abortion. The Democrats say safe and rare. You don't hear those words anymore. Now you hear we believe in uh, reproductive freedom for women. And that is, should be from the moment of conception to the moment that the, the child's head crowns when they're born. Yeah. Dave, what we have seen over the last 10 years, as Arkansas has become more conservative, and I think headed down the right path, America 
in Washington, D.C., in some of these blue states, has become much more radical and much more liberal. For the first time in the history of the Congress, the Democrats under Nancy Pelosi actually passed a law to codify abortion all the way to birth. They're doing this because they know we're about to overturn Roe v. Wade. So they're rushing. And here's the scary part. With Manchin as number 50 in the U.S. Senate, if they somehow got Manchin to flip with them, they could literally pass abortion as statute in this nation, and it would then undermine the whole court process that we've been battling for all these many decades. I got up this morning getting ready for your show, and I see that Biden has appointed his transgender uh, Levine to some new position uh, in, in public health. He said calling this transgender man the first female appointed to this position. The bottom line is, Dave, the Biden administration, Comrade Harris, Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, Ilhan Omar, they are the most radical people that we have ever seen. And this is why it is important that people like myself and others that will stand and fight for the people of Arkansas are in office to do so, because the last line of defense now is in the states. And we have to be strong because they're trying to change the America that you and I grew up in. All right, we've got to get a break in. Uh, Senator, if you'll hold on, we'll be right back with you. I don't know if you got a cup of coffee there. You might want to warm it up. We'll be right back I with do. you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. 13 minutes till 7 o'clock. That's State Senator Jason Rapert with us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We'll continue our conversation when we return. Right now, need to talk to you about Pat Davis and about getting signed up for your health care that you need to do. And he's got health insurance that's different than everybody else's health insurance. I mean, it's the same kind of providers that you you use all across the nation. It, uh, you know, it's a health plan that's great for self-employed people. Here's some of the differences, though. Let me give you two major differences. No co-pays and if there's money left over, it doesn't go to the insurance agency. It goes back to you, to your bank account, for you to use that money. You're the one who paid it. You're the one that should get it back. And uh, Pat will show you how he can make that happen for you. You've got to give him a call, talk to him, get all the ins and outs about it. 501-605-6935 is the number. Or visit him online, yourhealthplanman.com. That's Pat Davis. Call him today. All right, we've got some more questions for State Senator Jason Rapert. Important questions. And I'm, I'm yeah. going <clears> to <throat> let the chairman of the Sling County Republican Party, chair of all the chairs of Arkansas, ask the first question going into the second half of this interview Go yeah ahead. senator apert uh, you alluded to you know the this awful federal government that we have uh, right now and, and states rights and y'all were just at extended session recently to address some of the federal overreach such as the uh, vaccine mandate you know i just got a i got two calls yesterday just personally from a tyson employee being about to be canned on November first by Elsalor employee about to be canned here uh, next week uh, without uh, proof of vaccination. And so, you know, that continues to loom. 
Um, and I don't know, you know, the the bill that y'all passed won't go into effect until January. And so, mm-hmm. you know, what what can you say to the people, I mean, that are literally, these are literally people losing their jobs, That's losing right. their livelihood. Uh, they've, uh, they're having to choose between a vaccine or their livelihood. That's right. I think that uh, public policymakers in Arkansas should be ashamed that they have left these people out here uh, hanging on a limb and done nothing for them when they could have. And what's even worse, not only did they just leave them there, because as you know, Ken, uh, I fought alongside Senator Bob Ballinger, uh, Senator Hammer, uh, Representative Josh Bryant. We passed legislation in our state during that session to protect those workers. But we were robbed in the Arkansas Senate of the emergency clause by two votes. And, you know, as as you know, I stood up in that well and I fought for it and I've been out here talking about it. And and it's it's shameful. In fact, I got a text from Governor Asa Hutchinson the other day because I was out there extolling Governor Abbott in Texas for stepping up and using his executive order. I even told the governor, Ken, after they robbed us on the the, uh, emergency clause so it would go immediately into effect, uh, I urged Governor Hutchinson to use his executive order. He used to like to use that in the early days of the pandemic, you know. (laughs) He could have come out and protected the people in Arkansas, because I've been standing there looking these people in the face. I've been on the phone with them. I've been calling CEOs, Ken, telling them they need to take a look at this this person that has got an exemption that they should talk. I've been out here fighting for people behind the scenes. So what I will tell them right now, you need to protect yourself legally because the Arkansas legislature uh, ultimately – was ripped on the emergency calls of protecting you right now. And so I've t- if people go to my page on Facebook, Ken, I pinned at the top at Jason Rapert for Arkansas on the Facebook page. I have pinned a post with information on how they can find help to protect themselves right now if they're claiming a medical or religious mm-hmm. exemption. I also urge them to go to LC. Dot org. That's libertycouncil.org, because there are going to be multiple lawsuits in this country. And I think in the, in the future, number one, voters are not going to forget the people that left them out there unprotected come election time next year. And they shouldn't. And here's the deal, Ken. Uh, many of those people that, that fought us in the Arkansas Senate, they didn't just make one bad vote. They voted over and over and over again to stop from having protection. And look, this country was founded on the idea that we have rights given by God to protect life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness amongst others. And what's happening in our nation right now, for the first time in my lifetime, they're attacking pursuit of happiness, which is your right to work and to take care of your family, and to have a happy family. It's insane what they've been doing. This is why that I hope that people will support me for lieutenant governor. I have been here on the front lines fighting. I know the dynamics of the Arkansas Senate, and I want to be able to be there for the people of Arkansas and preside during some of the most critical debates that we're going to have in the history of our state and our country in the future years. The Biden administration is radical. 
They are upending America as we know it. And you're going to find that we're going to come to a real critical climax in the nation very, very soon if they are able to get the White House again in the future. So I tell people to go out to my website, Ken, or excuse me, my Facebook page for that information on the COVID. And I fought for them. And I'm very, very sorry that a lot of people sold them out. And I'll tell you about Tyson. When Tyson was lobbying me on the uh, LGBTQ agenda, I asked him, I said, what's this got to do with plucking chickens out there at the farm? You know, what's that got to do? Since when, since when do you have a bunch of hoosters running around the Tyson farm? I thought you had hens and roosters. When they don't even understand that simple dynamic, Ken Yang, they definitely don't. Uh, they're out of touch themselves oh, I love with it. the average ordinary person here in Arkansas. And we just need to tell it like it is. We got a lot of people that are push card Republicans, Ken. They'll tell you they're pro-life. They'll tell you they're for the Second Amendment. But they're never there for the fight. They never step up. You never see them. I'm the only legislator in America right now being sued by the American atheists in federal court. And you know why, Ken and Dave? It's because I have never failed to fight for what the people of Arkansas believe in. And I'm doing everything I can to stand up for them. And I'd love to be serving as the lieutenant governor to Sarah Sanders or Leslie Rutledge, whichever one of them is going to win that race. Because we've got to hold the line in Arkansas, and I've got a history of doing that for the people. All right, we got time for one more question. So let me ask the one that I really, really wanted to ask you, and that is, why run for lieutenant governor? I mean, you have more time to be a state senator. Wouldn't you be better in the well of the Senate fighting for these things? Well, Dave, that's a great question. I was elected in 2010, and at that time, the term limit was two four-year terms. That would be eight years. Mm -hmm. And by the grace of God and the good people of Arkansas, they've elected me four times. So I will have 12 years in the Senate. The lieutenant governor position is an open position. And you've got to have somebody in the lieutenant governor's position that knows state government and how it works and be ready to be governor day one if something were to happen. I believe that I'm the person best suited amongst the candidates to be able to serve in that position. I've been here during the period when we took over the majority. I know how to preside over the Senate. I've been there with these people through this last decade as we've led the state as the first Republican majority. And I absolutely know that if I had to, I could put together a great group of people that would be able to lead the state and continue what, again, our governor, and I hope that our governor is going to be there their entire term. But I've always been a team player, um, Dave, and the lieutenant governor position is an open position that needs somebody that you can depend on if suddenly they had to be governor in our state. All right. And I believe the people of Arkansas know my background well enough to know that I could do that. I know. i got to let you go. Thanks so much, Senator. We'll talk to you in the near future.
You know, just watching uh, the monitor here in the uh, the studio. And I wish Biden would make up his mind whether he's going to wear a mask or he's not going to wear a mask. Mm. Depending on where he's at, yeah, he wears a mask or doesn't wear a mask. I mean, it's as, like uh, I'm at a fundraiser and I can't infect any of these people. And I'm not saying he's going to infect anybody. Yeah. I'm just saying that What's virtue get saying? your story going, yeah. right? Be you know the same thing. I'm sure yeah. you know Congressman French Hill feels the yeah. same way. They don't. They don't like science. I mean, the 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 progressive Democrats yesterday here in Arkansas, uh, or progressive women or whatever they're called, uh, or having a fundraiser outside, outside, and they all were wearing masks. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but it, it it it's not the same level of hypocrisy that this president has. Where you wear it at times and you don't wear I don't it at other he, times. I don't think he can remember whether he's wearing one or not. <laughs> That's very. That could be the case. That really could be. Yeah, it, it's kind of. It's really ridiculous. It's like watching AOC. You know, when she was doing that interview and she kept removing her mask and all of that. And she says, "Oh, there's a camera. I got to wear my mask." You know that kind of stuff. I mean, I, it, it's so. It's, such, it's lying, all right? I was going to say disingenuous, but I'm not going to use a 50-cent word when 10 cents does the job. They're lying to you. All right. Hi, Congressman. How you doing? Good morning. I uh, enjoyed that interchange, and I think you're right. I, I, I think uh, Uncle Joe may not know if he has it on or not. Uh, so, it's uh, so true. I, I still have – look, I still have my uh, – management philosophy about masks. When I walk from my house to the Capitol in Washington, it's about five blocks. And I gauge who at seven in the morning is out walking their dog in their <laughs> robe. And if they have their mask on, that's, that's, uh, you know, that's a test, one of my tests. And the other is the famous one in Little Rock is I wait trying to turn left somewhere and just watch 20, 30 cars go by. Who is in the car by themselves wearing them? Oh, that's scary. <laughs> to me, that's so these scary. Are, these are my secret tests. Yeah. <laughs> I got you. By the way, now that they know that animals can get uh, can get COVID, I guess you saw it in one of the zoos. I forget which one it was. They were out inoculating the gorillas. But, uh, the, the you know, they didn't. The, the gorillas weren't wearing masks. I'm just well, saying. I'm saying this is a new business for Amazon. I can see it now. So, uh, com, and you too can sponsor one. Uh, you know, come on. I mean, it's just, it never ends. All right. Let's be serious, Congressman. Uh, we, do, right. we do get serious on my show from time to time. Inflation continues to rage ahead here in the United States. We're we're still got all kinds of problems with the supply chain. And now the Biden administration uh, Buttigieg has even said this is going to move into next year. And they're telling you to buy your Christmas now, because if you don't, you may not be able to find the Christmas presents you want online or in the stores. This is crazy. Yeah, I mean, we've been talking about this uh, now, and some of us uh, were way out in front predicting this. Uh, and I've said consistently, look, uh, the supply chain issue is a serious one. And when you look at individual company forecasts, they're saying they don't see supply chain corrections until 2023. And, wow. 
uh, I was with some, uh, uh, I went to a dinner honoring the friendship between Japan and America last night. And there was a woman seated next to me from Toyota. And she says, you know, they don't see an end to this for two or three years. Uh, and they have uh, the best they can to try to get their supply chain in line around the world for making parts. And they just don't see it. So you have that, and that is creating shortages. Shortages raise prices. And then, as I've said, printing too much money at the Federal Reserve and printing unlimited money by spending government money you don't have is inflationary. So when you have cost-related uh, inflation from shortages combined with monetary inflation, the number one issue that creates inflation, you have potentially a catastrophic situation. And now <clears throat> we're seeing it in our wages uh, because the minute you see sustained inflation, people go, hey, man, I'm losing. I'm losing. It's not a high-class problem, as Biden's chief of staff says. It's a real problem for our families. Mm-hmm. And I've got to have my income's deteriorating. If you're retired on a fixed income, you're not getting any interest at the bank, and your costs are skyrocketing. Uh, and I view it as a real uh, two-sided problem when you see last week that Social Security, for the first time really in probably almost 30 years, is going to give you five over 5% cost of living increase. People are going, God, that's fantastic. It's the first increase in my Social Security check I've seen in years. But the bad news is it's going out the other door. Yeah, inflation's at 10%. Right. Yeah, incredible. It really it, it is incredible what's going on. I'm afraid that what we're going to see is all of this is going to come together as a perfect storm, and it's going to make the 1970s look like, you know, Rebecca at Sunnybrook Farm. Well, it's it's funny. You and I, I think, talked about this several months ago when you, because we both lived through that period. I started my business career in the middle of it, and uh, it was debilitating. Uh, you said, well, you think we might be headed back to stagflation. And I said, well, you know, I think we're headed into a serious inflation, but I felt like we were going to be able to maintain growth. Now, when you see the striking workers, when you see 10 million job openings, but people won't go back to work, when you see more mandates by Biden making it harder to get people back to work, like the vaccine mandate, this is catastrophic. And you could, in fact, stall the economy mm-hmm. by raising taxes, raising regulations, raise mandates, cut, combine that with printing too much money and supply chain, and you could stall out and if you stall out you're definitely in a terrible 70s type stagflation yeah it's not good i'm just telling you congressman this is not good i'm i'm getting worried about it and it's- i don't think the democrats actually care i mean jen Psaki joke, joke quipped the the tragedy of the treadmill yesterday at her press conference uh i mean they seem so pious about it and uh uh you know saying that they you know, she said that they started addressing this uh with a task force back when biden was first elected yawn yawn let me let me i'm dozing off listening to their nonsense i mean they are economic illiterates that's the bottom line when you have the chief of staff uh, ron klein saying inflation's a high class problem meaning oh it's good to have inflation you know, that means we're growing and people are paying more for things. What a ridiculous statement to make. 
when it's coming from their bad spending policies, the, I think, overdoing it policies of the Federal Reserve, combined with a very troubled supply chain that people are now saying, you know, two, three years it would take to straighten out. So they're so out of touch. Uh, and you can't tell a ret- retired person buying gas or groceries in the second district of Arkansas that it's a high class problem. What well, a joke! Hey, hang in there, man. The president and Saki have both said uh, it's not; it's free. It's not costing anybody anything, and I ha- they haven't explained that of how it's free. <laughs> <laughs> the cost is zero. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's amazing to me. And people buy this crap. I don't understand it. Well, I posted on Twitter yesterday something, you know, my least favorite place in the whole universe. But nonetheless, I couldn't take it anymore. So I posted these six ridiculous statements by Biden and his officials about, and I called it the Alice in Wonderland effect, where the queen <laughs> tells Alice, hey, you can believe six impossible things before breakfast. Right. Well, I posted the six impossible things. I'm going to come up with another list, I'm sure, soon. But number one was Nancy Pelosi saying, oh, this will cost zero. I mean, come on. Come on. I mean, the cost of society is enormous. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, are they saying that it's revenue neutral? Is that what they're trying to say? Because if that's what they're saying, it isn't. It is. It is. Let's, you know, let, let's let's uh, play devil's advocate. Yes. She's saying I'm going to raise taxes uh, as many dollars as it costs. Well, that on its face is not true. Uh, she's proposing to spend five point five trillion. And the tax proposals that the Bernie Sanders people came up with were about two trillion. So, I mean, even on the face of what you said, it's not true. It's going to have a enormous cost over a two right. year period. In job loss, economic loss, and obviously the money taken out of hardworking Americans' pockets. So, uh, but that's her intent, sure. She says we're going to pay for it by raising taxes on just just a slender slice of rich people, even though they got four Pinocchios for that, and that working people will bear the brunt of this cost over the next few years. And you tell the guy who's a farmer with a pass-through entity that his tax rate's going to 46.5%. Or if he sells a piece of land, his capital gains tax rate's going to 25%, and you tell him that doesn't, you know, affect uh, normal working people, that they're, quote, going after billionaires. Or you tell a working person, oh, hey, we just want to know the in and out flow in your checking account, $600 a year. We're not not doing anything with that information. It just just helps us look for billionaires. Yeah, it just doesn't pass the smell test. Yeah, you don't have to worry. We're just hiring eighty-two thousand more IRS agents. Yeah, <laughs> that makes me not worry at all about it. Now I know what all that ammunition and guns were for from the Obama administration. All right, let, let's take a break, and then we'll come back and we'll talk some more uh, about this and 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 what you as Republicans can do. I mean, the mansion is doing more damage to them right now than just about anybody. He's like a bowling ball at a at a bowling alley right now. So he's knocking a lot of pins down. Talk about what the president said yesterday uh, about that. 18 minutes after 7, our special guest is Congressman, of course, French Hill. He'll be with us to the bottom of the hour. East End Towing wants you to know, no matter the situation you find yourself in, on the side of the road, at your house, and a parking lot, uh they can handle it they've got the answers i mean 
I brought up this question to you. What if your car breaks down on the side of the road and you need a tow truck and you're towing your camper at the same time? What do you tell the the tow people? Uh, I got a I got a I got a a fifteen hundred that needs to be towed and I got a camper. What will you do about that? Well, let me just tell you, East End Towing can handle it, and they got the answer for you. All you have to do is call them, 501-888-8849, 501-888-8849. Put that number in your cell phone so you'll have it with you when you need it, because sooner or later, when you least expect it, you'll break down on the highway, and you'll need to know how to get a hold of East End Towing. All right, back with you. Do not forget. Seriously, do not forget that uh, there are things in the future that you're going to want to buy for Christmas. And I'll tell you in the next half hour, if you're looking for jewelry, where you should go to buy your jewelry. I'll tell you next hour, half hour about that. Right now, we're back with the congressman from the 2nd District, and that's uh, French Hill. And uh, you had a question for him, yeah, Ken? Yeah, I think you alluded to it right before we went off. And, uh, you know, we we almost talk about it every week. But as I travel the state, and I know as you travel the district, uh, Congressman, it's a continued question. People actually want to be updated all the time on this IRS going into your account if you've done a transaction uh, more than $600. And it's really not the amount that matters to people. is the fact that the IRS will be able to go into so many accounts and and uh, monitor uh, uh, Americans. And so um, could you, you know, what's the status on that? Well, yesterday, uh, as you know, last week, uh, Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen and Nancy Pelosi, both top leaders in the Biden government, were on TV defending it and saying it's a way to get billionaires. That they had no problem with it. It was excellent policy. So they have pivoted this week to say, well, maybe they'll just collect that information of $10,000 or more rather than $600. And my response is the same. It's an invasion of privacy. It's not necessary to tax compliance. It is housing at the IRS trillions of terabits of information unnecessarily about people's checking accounts, and the IRS has a terrible reputation on keeping things private, Mm -hmm. Uh, even the data they have today. So I don't care if it's $2, $600, or $2 million. It's an unnecessary step, and it's an invasion of privacy, and it puts more of our data at risk in a sea of stuff where we already have too much of our data, personal data at risk. And we really have a right to privacy. It's a constitutional right. Uh, We in Congress are to protect that right. And therefore we have, I think a small uh, majority. I don't know about Democrats yet that absolutely oppose this regardless of the dollar amount. And Joe Biden is proposing it as a way to collect more taxes from people that go uncollected. That's the premise, and that's what they're arguing for. I don't think it'll help them do it, and I think it's a deterioration in privacy we should pose. Well, I got to tell you, I don't think that very many billionaires that we need to be worrying about 600 bucks, but if you're in just a normal farmer or someone who's working a, a you know, an an average job, you better be concerned about this. 
Yeah, and this is why this is going after the self-employed entrepreneurial person, the person who gets a uh, is a part-time employee that generates, you know, maybe a good living, uh, but they're not getting, you know, a 1099 or a W-2 in that living. That doesn't apply to billionaires. It's really just insane what the argument is on the part of the left here. This is intrusion and control and an invasion of privacy. All right. What about uh, the supply chain stuff? It it seems like to me this is telling us that we have got to get our businesses here in the United States back on our shores making products so that we don't have to worry about this type of thing happening. If the Republicans get control of the House and the Senate again, which I believe they will next year, are you guys going to attack that? Yeah, and I think President Trump did a good job on that uh, in his administration. It's why I supported so strongly his approach to do tax reform. And this is, again, trying to be undone by the Democrats. Excuse me, undone by the Democrats, because President Trump's tax reform was all about moving investment back to the U.S. by not double taxing income earned abroad. And what happened? A trillion dollars came back to the U.S. due to President Trump's tax reform. And we got more supply chain moved back here. Second, he proposed a new USMCA to replace NAFTA. What did that do? It was another way to bring investment, manufacturing jobs back to Canada, the U.S., and Mexico from other places. So those were two real important points. The Congress has now uh, passed uh, in the House my SAVE Act, which uh, reforms how we do our medical supply chain. So we will be leading on this issue, and Kevin Brady, who's run the Ways and Means Committee, has proposed in addition to that tax reform, the Trump tax reform, which is working, is that we also grant um, some tax benefits for manufacturers that come back. And then I'll say, here's what the private market reaction is, Dave. Everybody is reassessing their supply chain. Everybody. For 40 years, we've built a global economy based on just-in-time inventory to save cash, save money, save time, And that allowed no redundancy, zero. So when someone doesn't deliver the chips you need just in time to build your car in Michigan, you shut down the whole factory. Yep. So I think the private sector is going to do two things. One, diversify their supply chain. Taiwan Semiconductors announced a few weeks ago they're going to build the biggest chip plant in the world in Arizona and get out of Taiwan because of their fear of the Chinese. And people are reshoring that supply chain, but they're also building some redundancy in the number of suppliers. And that's what I think the private sector is busy doing right now. And we shouldn't be dependent on any one country uh, for any critical agreement. And that's my argument, uh, particularly about China, but other places, too. We should have redundancy and we should have the ability to run it ourselves. Well, as far as I'm concerned, we're in another Cold War, and this time it's with China. And they're doing what they can to damage our economy. Let's reciprocate with them. That's the way I I look at that. Congressman, we're out of time. I appreciate your time here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We'll talk to you next week. All right. So we appreciate uh, Congressman Hill joining us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Now, I told you that, uh, you know, if you're hot, you know, you got to shop for Christmas early this year because there's 
they're, they're warning you because of the supply chains. There be, may be some empty shelves and things that uh, it, it won't be for demand for Cabbage Patch dolls this time. It will just be they can't get them to you. Just keep keep that in mind. So uh, jewelry will be on the front line as well. I'll tell you about a place that you can get good jewelry. All right, back with you. I promised I'd tell you where to go to get your jewelry. I'm going to do that right now, Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. Uh, you talk to Eric and uh, do it now so that he can prepare. If you want something really unique, because uh, Eric is a good jeweler. I mean, he can fix whatever you have and things of that nature, but he's also an artisan. He can design a piece of jewelry that uh, your significant other will be very, very happy to have and just go spend some time with him he opens at 10 o'clock today he's uh, over at 3000 cavanaugh boulevard in suite e uh get there about uh, you know five till ten and he'll be getting there and you can spend some time talking to him and uh, tell him what you're looking to do he's got a machine uh that can devise all of this do a wax mock-up for you and everything so you can see what it would look like and uh, it just makes sense to do this and eric is really over the years that he's been doing this and he's been doing jewelry as i think as long as i've been doing radio so you're talking about a half a century the guy is really really uh, knowledgeable about the world of jewelry and gemstones and uh, other than diamonds, I mean, he knows diamonds. He's got more diamonds than you can shake a stick at. But the bottom line is he knows that they're not the most popular stone any longer. Uh, a lot of the colored stones are, and he can help you with that as well. You can call him, make an appointment to go visit with him, or just stop by 501-246-3655, 501-246-3655. That's Eric over at uh hillcrest designer jewelry here in little rock all right let's get back on to the telephone and go to washington dc again bruce westerman joins us now and uh congressman thanks for joining up with us again i got let's start off i want to talk about natural national defense real quick Mm. and that is the chinese uh unveiled uh to the chagrin of a lot of military planners here in the united states a hypersonic missile that can deliver a nuclear warhead. And I've heard things from people that are in the know in D.C. that uh, this puts us behind the Chinese. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, that happened over the weekend, and um, it is a concerning issue that's out there now. Uh, if you look back and ask, well, why do the Chinese have hypersonic missiles and we don't, go back no further than the Obama-Biden administration when they uh, canceled that program. That's right. So that's what that's how we got here. Yeah, it's it's it puts us in a terrible terrible position. I'm just telling you. That well, you this know, is my, not good. You know, my concern is just all the reports of, you know, quote, we have no idea how they did this. Uh, um, go back to the Clinton administration. Yeah, uh, you know they were they were taken aback by the testing. Uh, the Pentagon admits that uh, they don't know how to defend against uh, against these missiles. I mean, I just there seems to be a lapse in our foreign policy and our intelligence commu- uh, community now uh, under Biden. And 
um, you know, is well. Is, what's what's the intelligence community been doing for the last four to six years? They've been they've been looking at Russia Gate and all that other crap. Not they took their eye off the ball. That's what happened. Would you yeah, agree with that, Congressman? In, uh, yeah, definitely. In the uh, the House Intelligence Committee is has been a a joke since the Democrats got in in uh, the majority. I mean, that's all they've been fo- were focused on were. Uh, you know, the Russian collusion and all the stuff that they tried to make up on Trump. Um, and, you know, I'm not on the intelligence committee, so I don't go to the, the classified briefings that they have. And that's something they don't they don't talk about. So I, it's not something I can talk about in a lot of detail about what happens in those uh Briefings, but I do know they have been preoccupied with things they shouldn't have been preoccupied. Yep. With. I'll, just, I'll just say this: uh, my, my favorite is, you know, this is how the communist government works. Is uh, the test? Uh, no, it was not a hypersonic missile. It was a routine spacecraft experiment. <laughs> is what the Chinese government? Yeah. Said. So what is a routine <laughs> spacecraft carrying a nuclear warhead? Yeah, you're right, man. It's, it's exactly. Well, and right. you saw uh, North Korea was. Uh, yeah, claim they launched a missile from a from a submarine too. So uh, I don't think it's a surprise to anyone that Biden is extremely weak on foreign policy, and uh, they're flexing their muscles now. Uh, it should should be no surprise with uh, uh, you know his position with with China and uh, his failure on basically every foreign policy initiative he's ever embraced. It's almost a um, you know, a litmus test. If Biden's for this foreign policy uh, maneuver, then you should probably be against it. Yeah, go the other way. Exactly. Gates was yeah. on uh, the Talking Heads over the weekend and uh, did not back down when he said that Joe Biden has been on the wrong side of every every foreign policy decision made here in the United States since he went to the Senate. All right, so we were, we just got hey, done talking. I got a hearing coming up this Friday. It's a the, the Democrats won't do it, but the Republicans on my committee are having a hearing uh, over the eighty-seven million dollars U.S. tax dollars that were spent through the U.S. Geological Survey mapping and locating and determining the quantity of rare earth elements and minerals in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. And a little late for that. <laughs> Yeah, well, now now that's all in the hands of China, uh, or, or the, the Taliban in China is moving in to, uh, you know, start developing those minerals so they can sell them to us in electric vehicles. Yeah, yeah, it's people don't realize what we did in Afghanistan and the way we got out. I mean, look, the big air base at you know who's who's renting that now, right? It's the Chinese. Yeah, there's Chinese are there. Yeah. It's it's unbelievable, but I don't know what people were expecting when they voted for Biden in uh, in November. I agree with I you. What, yeah, God is my witness. I I I have no idea what anybody who can't. Well, if you're Democrat, I understand you don't have a brain, but you know the the Republicans that voted for him. What is wrong with you? They got their feelings hurt. I guess they did. I mean, which is worse? That you got an ugly tweet or that there's a hypersonic missile that can bring a nuclear warhead to anywhere in the United States and can't be stopped? I think it's a hypothetical question. <laughs> Every 
everybody knows the answer to that anyway so congressman what are some things that uh, you've been you've been working on i mean all the news coming out of washington dc from this administration as far as i'm concerned is, is abysmal i mean this guy's got more crises going on now than than anything that's why the chinese and the and the the koreans aren't worried about him uh because he is weak he's weak everywhere yeah well he's got weaklings in his administration what booty judge i didn't even realize this that he'd taken two months of maternity leave yeah and we got this transportation crisis going on yep um give me a break on that the uh you know this port issue out in uh in california is a is a major major issue i spent uh, last week, traveling around my district, talking to um, to people who are in manufacturing, who are in farming, and everywhere you go, there's two things: a labor shortage and supply chain disruptions. Um, you know, I even had a guy. He said, "Can you? Is there any way you can get Gavin Newsom to get the National Guard out, or get Biden to get the military out to clear the port in Los Angeles?" You know, there's. There are a couple of things wrong with that. The first question you got to ask is, why are we so dependent on all those foreign ships coming here uh-huh. to begin with? That's just a testament of of bad policy going back to the, the Clinton administration. And then you um, have to ask, why are we paying people and incentivizing them not to work, putting mandates out there that are causing people not to work? And, uh, you know, the Democrat reaction to this, we had a hearing up here last week in the Natural Resources Committee, and that oil spill had just happened out there in California. So they decided to uh, slip in a couple of standalone bills to put fines and fees onto uh, pipelines, uh, underwater pipelines, carrying petroleum. So it gave them an opportunity to just really bash the oil industry. Well, the reason that pipeline ruptured out there is because one of these ships that couldn't be unloaded anchored in a place that shouldn't anchor, and the anchor caught the pipeline and and ruptured it. And come to find out, it wasn't nearly as much oil as they were claiming it was uh, to begin with. But the Democrat reaction was to uh, not only put those bills in a markup, but to have a field hearing. Now, they won't come to D.C. to have a hearing in person. They don't come here to vote, a lot of them. Uh, but they decided this was so important, they needed to have a field hearing in California to rake the uh, uh, the energy industry over the coals. Yeah, of course. Kind of they back- got, that's their real it enemy. Back- it backfired on them. I could not believe this. There were protesters outside that hearing calling about or talking about holding up signs about Biden's bottleneck. And, uh, you know, even in California, they were protesting um, Katie Porter. Uh, and Mike Levin, who are the two members on the committee, uh, and Lowenthal, who are out there doing this field hearing. So when you've got people in California protesting the Democrats, um, I think that tells you that uh, there's a, there's change coming in our country. Let me ask a question that uh, something that happened just uh, the last couple of days with the Supreme Court. They've had several different uh, issues come up about uh, people being forced to be vaccinated. There was one from IU in Indiana. Uh, there was one about some nurses at a hospital, and there was another one. And in all three, the Supreme Court ruled against the plaintiffs. Uh, they told them they 
they had to go get uh, vaccinated. Uh, that that kind of changes the tenor of this whole argument, doesn't it? Well, I think there's there's certain ways you got to look at this. Um, states require vaccinations uh, right now, but the federal government doesn't require vaccinations. Right. I've actually got a, a letter that I had 57. Uh, well, now this is a letter that our Arkansas delegation is doing to the education secretary telling them not to do a federal vaccine mandate for school children. Um, they shouldn't be doing that. There shouldn't be any federal mandates that um, affect uh, local uh, governmental jurisdictions where they paint with such a wide brush. Now, if a, if a school board or the state uh, wants to put some kind of mandate in place, and they've got to be accountable to the people um, who they're putting that mandate on. And I think you're seeing a lot more people get involved in school boards and getting involved in state politics. And uh, they're going to have to answer at the at the polls on a local level and on the state level. But the federal government doesn't need to be going in and putting any kind of mandate in. And uh, that's what, what we're seeing right now, where they're moving towards a, a vaccine mandate for children, I believe. Yes. And... I think the Supreme Court's position was probably more along, uh, you know, the Tenth Amendment and states being able to uh, uh, to make those decisions. But I think there's also some uh, some human rights issues in there. Uh, you know, when they do mandates and they don't allow for religious exemptions or medical exemptions, even on the the state or the local level, uh, I have a big problem with that. I haven't I haven't looked at the the cases I just heard that they did uh, not rule in favor of the plaintiffs on some uh, state vaccine mandates. All right, let's take a break. I got to get uh, got to pay for having for your phone call. So no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come back talk to uh, Congressman Westerman some more here in just a moment. Let me remind you about Dustin Turner. You know the hot the 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 market for homes is still hot uh, because. Uh, the inventory is still low, and it's still a seller's market. But that's not going to stay that way. It's it's going to level out here in the next few months. So if you're wanting to hit it, you need to hit it now, and you need to choose somebody that you can trust. And I'm here to tell you, I think you can trust Dustin Turner because I've dealt with him now. I'm getting ready to sell my house, and I'm doing it with Dustin, and I had him out to my home and he sat down and explained to me exactly what his organization does to uh, make it possible to sell your home quickly and at the best price possible because, you know, he's with the home team brokered by EXP Realty. And uh, what they do is they get, like, the pictures of your home and things because most of the buying now is done after people have gone on the Internet and check out the photos of your home and things of that nature. Then they may want to come out to your house just to make sure you didn't just doctor them up or something and and look at your house. But open houses are not the way they used to be. People are just solidifying their decision when they come to the open houses. And uh, Dustin Turner gets your pictures on the Internet in front of more people than other realtors do. You give him a call. Have him come out and talk to you. I, I'm, I'm, I just know that if you have him come out and you sit down and talk to him, 
uh, you'll find the same way I did that he knows this business. And that's what you need when you're trying to sell your home. Call Dustin Turner at 501-952-2969 or Google him at Dustin Turner, the home team, or you can go right online at hometeamsoldit.com. Okay, back with you. Ken's got a question for you. Bruce, let me move over to Ken Yang. Yeah, we uh, talked a little bit about this with uh, Congressman Hill, you know, with the, you know, Jen Psaki and the administration, you know, everything costs zero dollars, and then, uh, you know, in, inflation is good, all that good stuff. And so, you know, I think you, you had even, at somewhere, I think, either a post or something, talked about, uh, you know, Joe Biden's policy, um, even even some of the the left leaning uh, organizations were talking about the uh, uh, what the policy would do and the current state of just inflation inflation in general. Yeah, and I've actually got an op ed that's uh, going to be coming out on that, um, and um, a, a letter again this time on the supply chain that I had. Uh, 57 members, including Kevin McCarthy and Scalise and our whole leadership team, signed on to this letter about the, the dangers of inflation. Um, it's it's real and it's going to get worse. You know, just from time I've spent in my district talking to employers and manufacturers and talking to other members from around the country, everybody's experiencing the same thing, shortages of labor, um, shortages of supplies, uh, people, there's more money in the economy because of the government spending, and people are trying to buy, and the goods aren't there. So that's just the uh, uh, the recipe for inflation. And if you, I don't, but if you buy into the modern monetary theory, they say that you control inflation with interest. Uh, well, when we're sitting at thirty trillion dollars in debt, and you add one percent interest, that's three hundred billion dollars of interest on the debt for every 1% of interest. So you could easily get into a scenario if you tried to drive inflation down by raising interest rates where um, the the tax collections of the government were all going to pay the interest on the debt, which um, by default has to be the first um, the first call on the money because if, you, if you're not paying your debt, then you're, you become insolvent. Mm-hmm. So it's it's major issues that we're we're looking at, and you know, with all of that going on, the crown piece of legislation we're debating, we'll be voting on on Friday. Do, do you know what this is? No, what are you it's voting the, on? The Pump Act. The it's Pump for, Act. Uh, the Pump Act to uh, regulate that you have to have facilities not for breastfeeding but for chest feeding. You know, they, they want to make it gender neutral. So oh, Lord God, have, help us. Uh, so this would require airplanes to have a special area for chest feeding. Oh, That's what's on the Democrats' mind this week while oh, uh, uh, inflation's skyrocketing. Well, that's really important, Bruce. I, you know, I, I don't want any of these men that are really women to feel like that we're singling them out somehow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and there you have it, the, uh, the, the dilemma we're in. I just wish the election were this November. We yeah, don't you? We've got to figure out how to, uh, to 
to keep this stuff from passing. And, you know, they're, they're talking now about, and this is what I was worried about, uh, they're negotiating this big spending bill. It's only going to be two trillion now. Yeah, <laughs> two trillion is is one point nine nine trillion too much. Uh, this bill is destructive to our country. Uh, <laughs> you know they they were uh, talking. They got hammered on this six hundred dollar reporting figure. So now they've changed it to ten thousand. But you got to read the primary or the the small print because it's ten thousand dollars in a year so if you spend two hundred dollars a month out of your banking account then the irs has to report that the bank has to report it to the irs that's what they need those extra eighty two thousand irs agents for congressman that's what they need i'm just just reading uh uh, you know your your colleague congresswoman baloney oh i mean maloney uh, saying that women have had had to choose between breastfeeding or earning a paycheck, because, and that's why they need the Pump Act. Oh my God! Yeah, it's well, not breastfeeding though it's chest feeding. That's right, it's chest feeding. The <laughs> Democrats are always good at hyperbole. What can I? What, what can I say, Bruce? Thank you so much for the time, Congressman. We appreciate you. We'll talk to you next Wednesday. All right, thanks, Dave. All right, bye bye now. Okay, we'll talk to him again next week here on the dave ellswick show we're out of time ken thanks real quickly you got 15 seconds congressman tom emmer october 29th at saline county in the benton event center call me message me on facebook get tickets come it's gonna be a good time where should they call you at quickly 501-909-9315 it's the retire pelosi dinner all right michael cutler tomorrow in the first hour and we'll be talking with joe and duck in the second hour on the dave ellswick show Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.